0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special seventh episode of the Road to Rome podcast. This is Jackson, and today Connor and myself have an interview with Chad Mum, the executive producer of the new Netflix show Full Swing that is being released on Wednesday, February 15th, which covers the 2022 PGA Tour and professional golf season. Of course, it's made by the same people of Drive to Survive and the recent uh, tennis docuseries released by Netflix, Breakpoint. Chad was kind enough to join us for just more than 20 minutes to talk about some of the background info regarding the show and take a look behind the scenes and briefly talk about what's coming down the road and their future plans for the show. So thank you very much to Chad. And here is our interview.
1: Chad, thank you so much for joining us on uh, the Road to Run podcast today. Full swing is here. Uh, this is going to be a new frontier for, for golf fans in terms of access to golfers and the PGA Tour. What can they expect and what can non-golf fans expect uh, from the show coming out?
2: You know, I think we we were able to pull back the curtain on pro golf in a way that nobody's ever done before. And, you know, I think it took this unprecedented buy-in that we got, which started with the PGA Tour and then expanded to the majors and then eventually expanded to the players and their families and the agencies and kind of the entirety of the golf world. And Drive to Survive on Netflix really opened the door for this. Players, you know, had become fans of that show during COVID. And they kind of had an understanding of maybe what the storytelling was going to be like. Okay. Um, but, you know, I think really it's, it, it's a testament to the every governing body in the sport. And then, like, the game's kind of biggest players raising their hand and saying, like, we see this. We understand it's going to be good for golf. I think also potentially selfishly good for some of their profiles, you know? Um, and, you know, they opened the doors and it took time to build the trust. You know, we we started out, you know, and, and as the season went on, we our access got deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And we were there for some of the most kind of pivotal moments of the year, but also like the lowest points of the year for some of these players and with their families and at home with them. And, you know, I think that, if you're a golf fan, you're going to see the sport you love in a whole new way. You're going to see these kind of superhuman athletes humanized in a really real way. And I think that you're going to come away with a whole new appreciation for just what they go through. I mean, first off, how good they are, but also just, you know, that they're human and and that they, they care so much about it, you know, and, and that's a lot of fun. Uh, and then if you're not a golf fan, I think that, you know, this show has potential to make you a fan because – there's so many personalities on the PGA Tour, you know. It's not a monolith. Like, there's so many different ways that guys get it done. You know, there's so many kind of different lifestyles, from private jets and giant mansions to like trailers in Idaho, you know, and drinking, you know, white claws. So I think that it's uh, it, it, there's so much there's just characters in this sport, and we've been really lucky to have access to a lot of them for a long time, for a year.
0: How do, you, how do you guys go about planning your series? Uh, I know that's a very broad question, but do you have a list of golfers in mind that you're going to really focus on heavy? Does it depend more on the results of tournaments and just the latest news cycle? Uh, what what when you start you know you've gotten the access you've gotten approval how do you go about the next steps of kind of building the narrative
2: yeah we really i mean look we started out with a list of kind of ideal players and it was all the names that you can imagine you know the the best players in the world sort of most of the top 10 and then guys who have a personality you know that that have been outgoing about their personality so i think about like Joel Damon perfect example or Ian Poulter um so those guys you know were on our list from the very beginning and then as the season went on, as kind of storylines unfolded, you know, we we would increase, you know, we would add access, we would add players. A guy like Sahih Thagala was somebody who wasn't really on our radar. He was a rookie coming into his, you know, first year on tour, and then he ends up almost winning the WM Phoenix Open last year, you know, loses to Scotty Scheffler, hits it in the water on seventeen. I mean he had a great shot. It should have been he's got a terrible bounce. So, you know, that was the story that we kind of started following that week and then kind of retrospectively signed him to the show after that so some of it is like yes it's the big names and we want to be embedded with the best players in the world and we are but the other piece of it is yeah it's a little bit chasing some of the results and if a storyline pops or a player who has an interesting story kind of comes out of nowhere um and obviously like if you if you see the sahih fagala episode you'll understand what we mean like his family is amazing like and they're out there in droves There was like 30 of them following his dad Merley's is just like a big big character uh so we're like oh my god this is a great story so let, let's let's add him so yeah and then and at the beginning of every you know the beginning of the show we sort of mapped out where we thought all those characters could potentially fit together in episodes you know we put it all on a whiteboard and we said all right we've got you know Colin Murakawa and Tony Finau they both were completely inspired by Tiger Woods and they both kind of took opposite things from What they got, what they think they learned from Tiger, you know, Colin, this relentless perfectionism and this pursuit of like absolute to the millimeter, like discipline and excellence, and then Tony, just this idea that like you can, you know, look different and play pro golf and be a champion, and it was like the heart of a champion is kind of what Tony took from Tiger, and you know, and so we're like, okay, those those two players, they're both super, they're elite players, they're on the Ryder Cup team. You know, great way to pair them up, and maybe they could be an episode together, and that's how it kind of shook out. So, we try to do as much pre-planning from a story perspective as possible, so we can, you know, try to pick our spots. And 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 you know, for last year, we really picked well. Like we were we were with JT at the PGA when he had a historic comeback. We were also with Matt Fitzpatrick at the US Open. We were with Mito at the PGA, which was really just we wanted to see what a rookie what it was like to be a rookie playing your first major, you know, and it just so happened that he ended up being like a huge storyline from that week. So, you know, some of it was a little good luck. Some of it was also some good planning and, you know, and, and again, the universe has got to hand you a good a couple good breaks, but you know, like they say, it's the golf gods are smiling on us. We got some good bounces.
1: And in, in terms of the golf gods, 2022 was one of, if not the most chaotic year Ever in golf, right? With mm-hmm. the explosion of live in the middle part of the season and all the controversies that surround it. Um, some people were likening the world of golf in 2022 to, to a civil war, mm. essentially. What was it like to be on the ground and how much tension could you feel uh, when, the, when these news stories were breaking uh, between the players? It was a wild
2: thing to experience in real time. And you're right, it was incredibly disruptive to the kind of camaraderie on the pga tour the thing that you know most people don't realize until you kind of get embedded in it is like it's kind of like high school or a traveling circus those are the two words that I, you know the two descriptions that i've used to describe the pga tour because it's the same people not just the players but like the same caddies the same agents the same equipment truck folks same tour reps and they just kind of pick it up and move it to a new city and it, but it's kind of the same faces and people get into a routine and it really does feel like high school where everybody's seniors, you know, and we're all kind of, we made it on the PGA tour, we're elite players, like our, most of the players have been sort of dreaming about being there their whole life. So there's this like sense of, you may not be best friends with everybody, but there's a camaraderie there. And then the live, you know, disruption completely just shattered that camaraderie. And all of a sudden you have guys in the locker room who are getting asked questions in the media tent about, their morality and what they stand for. And and they don't even, they're still processing it because it's all happening in real time too, you know, and situation on the ground was super fluid. You didn't know who was talking to who and and who was taking the money and who was going to stay, you know, what were we playing for? Is it legacy? Is it PGA tour wins? Is it chasing tiger? Or is it, you know, is it a job to you? So it was fascinating. And like, nobody's ever, as far as I could tell, there hasn't really been a pro sport that's ever gone through that kind of disruption in the middle of the season you know, normally this stuff happens in the off season, you know, but this was like, while they're still playing together, you know, it was like one week and all of a sudden you're looking at the guy sitting in the locker room next to you. And you're wondering like, is this my, is this guy still like one of us, you know? And uh, it was, it was fascinating. So yeah, no, very disruptive, but you know, good year to have your cameras rolling. <laughs>
0: uh, how did Liv change your operations? I mean, and how much did you know about it? Was You know, it, Really became mainstream media this this summer, but there had been a little bit of a threat. You know, of rival golf tours bubbling for a couple of years. How much did you know about those threats, and uh, what did it do to change your process and your story?
2: Well, we had been sort of told that you know every couple of years there's like a right. You know, someone gets some money and they try and launch a rival league, and golf is uniquely vulnerable to something like that because of the structure of the sport. Most. You know, leagues at least in the United States, there's a commissioner, and the commissioner works for the owners, the team owners, and then the team owners contract with the players, who collectively bargain, and they have a lot. You know, they have some leverage, but not all the leverage. PGA Tour is a totally different structure where they're members. The PGA Tour, so the commissioner works for the players, and unlike you know, it's not like the like Roger Goodell, the NFL commissioner works for the owners, not the players. And so in this case, the PGA tour works, their work for its members. And so because of that, it's a, it's a democracy. So there's votes and they can affect significant change. And it doesn't matter if you're number one in the world or, you know, number 250 on the PGA tour, your vote still counts as one vote. And so, you know, there's always been this opportunity in this sport because everybody's individuals. It's also very fractured in general, like not, not like from a, you know, before pre live, but even, even before live the tour, like the agents don't really get You know, they don't talk to each other that much across, you know, they don't cross lines. There's there's a lot of sort of golf business. That's pretty fractured. So it was, it was kind of uniquely vulnerable to something like this. And we had heard that, um, you know, structurally vulnerable. And we had heard that, uh, that this had been sort of threatened a few times, but that like in previous years, maybe it would just fizzle out. And so, I think nobody was expecting it to kind of hit with the ferocity that it did and have so many players leave but so you got to see kind of in real time this attempt that's just first just react and stop the bleeding you know stop the exodus and kind of just once you're there okay we think it's most of the guys who are going to go have gone now it's like okay how do we how do we change the tour to make sure this doesn't happen again or, and make it the best place to play golf in the world. You know. And I think you saw that at the end of the summer. There was a lot of like, immediate, like, okay, how do we, what do we need to do to you know, stop the exodus? And then from there, how do we make it where people want to be playing on this tour and make it the best place to play golf in the world? And I think last week at the WM Phoenix Open was a great example of the tour putting out a great product because they had all the best players playing in it. And the elevated event really made that Sunday super riveting. And you could see the ratings were up and, you know, the, the leaderboard was completely stacked with superstars. And you're going to see that again this week at uh, the Genesis Invitational, you know, and that didn't happen last year. I mean, WMT, we were there. It was awesome. It was a great tournament. Scotty Scheffler, you know, wins. Brooks Koepka was in the hunt. Patrick Cantlay cite the gala, but Roy wasn't playing, you know. Uh, and I think that they moved pretty quickly to really – address some of that and get the best players playing against each other more often.
0: Um, I read a story in in talk sport. I think it was published today even about, you know, Rory didn't originally want to be a part of the show, um, but he kind of changed his mind as he became such a focal point in the live conversation. What was the process like trying to get him on? (laughs) What was the moment like did get him on and, and how much did his access Really amplify what you were able to to produce in the end. Well, he gave us a great ending. So, like any any show needs a good ending for a
2: season, and Rory, Rory was our was our A plus ending. He was has been great to us for a long time. He was very you know gracious to meet with us, and his his team has been you know they've they've always been very professional and very polite, and and clearly like fans of what we were doing, but they were not ready to commit to season one. They wanted Rory to focus on golf. He has a lot of other things going on, as you've seen the sort of simulator league. He's launching with Tiger. He's got businesses. He's got a young family, you know, and so he's didn't want the distraction. And I think also they, they were sort of taking a cue from Lewis Hamilton and try to survive. And they were thinking, okay, you know, the number one, one driver didn't do season one. So we're kind of, we get a hall pass and we'll do season two. So the idea was that they were always going to be in for season two. And so, uh i ran you know we but that being said didn't mean i didn't want him in season one so we would keep you know i kept seeing him like popping up in scenes like we would be filming in the locker room with colin or you know one of our other players and he would just come over and have a conversation and knowing the cameras are there you know with a boom over their head it was very obvious that he wanted you know he was sneaking into shots and we just kept noticing that throughout the year and then eventually at the open championship it felt like we were on the verge of this coronation. And so I had spoken to his agent and, you know, he pretty much said, look, when he wins this week, we're in, you know, you got all access, go, you know? So I'm like, okay, come on, Rory. So we started filming him at the open, like he was in the show and hoping that he would win and then sign and we'd be able to use all the footage that we shot. Um, Of course, you all know how that Sunday went down and he didn't win. It was crushing and heartbreaking. I've never seen the energy go out of a crowd so much and so quickly like, it did on that back nine you know two hundred fifty thousand people all of a sudden it was just like wait a minute what happened you know it was wild it was a very weird energy there that day and but he doesn't win and so we're sitting on all this footage and and uh and so i i'm like okay hail mary so a couple weeks later i flew to a tournament i got there early i flew out at an extra daily so i was there sunday night i was the first person on the golf course at like seven in the morning and I knew where you know, he likes to get there early and he likes to go hit balls and, and warm up and work out. So I was just sitting in the clubhouse just waiting for Rory to arrive, knowing that I just had one shot and I'm wandering around this clubhouse and sure enough, I come around a corner and he's just in this little small annex off of the main player dining area and he's having breakfast by himself, no one else in the room. So, you know, you shoot your shot. I hyped myself up and walked into the room and sat down with him and told him that, you know, we couldn't wait till season two that his his voice was too important. You know, the role he was playing and reshaping the PGA Tour, it, you know, we it would it had to be in it. And the world needed to hear from him now, not in a year. And, you know, I think that stuck. And he agreed. And from that moment on, he was all in. So, you know, an hour and a half later, he had a mic on and he was having like a private conversation with PGA Tour officials that we were filming. And he's in the locker room joking around with the other guys and he's in the workout trailer and then you know just like Rory doesn't do things halfway you know so once he was in he was all in and it was awesome gave us a great ending.
1: Was there any golfers that sort of stood out above the rest in terms of how interesting their story was obviously there's a lot of different backgrounds on the tour and um, a lot of different personalities who who in your opinion was the most interesting golfers that you covered? (sighs)
2: I think, hands down, Brooks Kepka was the player that surprised me the most. And you'll see when you watch the show, I think his story is so compelling. He's so interesting. You know, he doesn't have the same background as most of the other players. He kind of went a totally different route, you know, bootstrapped it in a different way than, like, Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas. Not that those guys don't work hard, but they were always, you know, highly touted. And Brooks, you know, wasn't as highly recruited. He wasn't the number one player on his college team. He went to Europe and played the Challenge Tour, which, you know, that's – it's hard enough playing the Corn Fairy Tour. I mean, imagine Challenge Tour and just grinding your way up the ladder. And then he, like, blinks and he's won four majors. And that – I don't know, like, you can process that happening that quickly, especially as a person who's an outsider. You know, and he and he relishes that outsider persona. But all of a sudden, when you win four majors, you're not an outsider anymore. You're like golf royalty. And I don't think that he – Liked that and wanted that, you know, and and also it's like he he loves playing with a chip on his shoulder, and all of a sudden when you're like getting feted by, you know, the golf royalty and people want you to be Jordan Spieth or Roy McIlroy, you know, it, it can be grating I think, and and so his honesty and openness about his injuries and how difficult he's found like trying to get his game in shape, and just how fickle golf is, you know, having sort of never, you know, basically was like the major conqueror, thinking it was easy to, you know, miss, you know, can't make a six-foot putt at his home club practicing is is a wild thing to see. It's really, you don't see that in other sports. It's like the pitcher loses his fastball. You know, so I found Brooks to be extremely honest and compelling and, you know, really, really a cool storyline. Obviously, guys like Ian Poulter really great character way more complicated and, and nuanced than i think people see on the outside and i think you'll see that in his episode you know joel damon another one where he you know you sort of think of him as this big character and this funny guy when you get inside his world you see there's been some tremendous sort of tragedy there and and i think that's unexpected and that that's one of my favorite you know stories in the whole show so yeah those guys really you know i would say yeah brooks number one was probably the most surprising.
0: I really appreciate you not using the Y word there when uh, talking about Brooks Koepka. He didn't, we, we don't have to say it out loud, but <laughs> everyone knows. Uh, what's, the, what's the best story from all of your footage that didn't make the cut, you know, for, you know, for whatever reason? good question. And, uh... um,
2: so I, I'm not going to name a name, unfortunately, uh, but there's, <laughs> there's a player who's very well-known, very notable player who we filmed a ton of stuff with off the golf course and on the golf course and there's a scene with him and his wife where they're sitting at their house talking about how difficult it is to maintain you know a winning attitude on the tour and just how fickle the game is and being good at something your whole life and just how hard it is to stay that razor sharp for you know a career and it just it's an awesome story. It's a great scene. It just didn't fit in the stories that we were telling for season, you know, for this season. And so that was a hard one to, you know, we just couldn't find a place to fit it because what you need for a show like this is these stories to have an arc, you know, they have to have kind of a beginning, a middle and an end. And this just, this player just was in stasis, you know, it was sort of floating. It wasn't nothing, you know, there was no big win. There was no huge loss. There was no loss in status. It was just kind of like this. And you need this to have a great story, you know, I'm, I realized this is a podcast and I was making hand motions, but you need ups and downs. You need big variation. And this player was just sort of flat. So that one, you know, hopefully we'll be able to use some of that stuff uh, in, in the future seasons of the show, because it's, it's really great stuff. But that one was, I was bummed to have to leave that on the cutting room floor.
1: Uh, you segue, segway, you segue us into uh, the next question here. Very well, Chad, uh, what are the plans going forward for the show? Um, and, We're quite a Ryder Cup-centric podcast, so can you tell us anything about whether you guys will be involved Ryder Cup time? Well, we we
2: haven't said anything publicly yet, and honestly, we need everybody to watch the show. So, you know, please watch it many, many times. Um, we We would love to do more and love to continue to keep filming, and we have been continuing to keep filming. And obviously, you know, I think from a storytelling perspective, season one really focuses on how individual and lonely golf can be, and when, what you're playing for is a really big question that keeps coming up again and again. Are you playing for money? Are you playing for legacy? Are you playing to win? Like, what is what are you playing for? That is the recurring theme. The idea that, you know, you could introduce team golf. And now you're playing for country and something bigger. And that what I heard all last year, that the most nervous any of these players have ever been is hitting a shot at the Ryder Cup on the opening tee. They're not playing for any money, you know. And they're playing for their for their peers and their team, so obviously, the the drama and the narrative stakes of the Ryder Cup would make a very fitting escalation for season two. Um,
0: you were you know you followed the tour for a whole year. What do you think is the majority? What are what are the majority of players playing for? Is it the trophies and legacy that us you know fans of the game hope? Is it a more cynical you know? What do you estimate is kind of the central focus for these guys on the tour?
2: I think it's I think it's a mix of both. I think that golf can be a very lucrative business if you play well. You know, you become a household name, you become a celebrity, film commercials, you get huge endorsement deals. And it's hard to maintain a level of, that level of high, high level play to sustain that and win majors year in, year out. And that's what makes what Tiger did so incredible. You know, just golf is fickle in that way. So I think that, For some players, yes, it 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 becomes a job to them, and they approach it like a job, and that's fine. I think that's a completely rational way to approach it. You know, you wake up, you do your business, and you find ways to disconnect from it. You you fish, you go out on your boat, you hang out with your buddies. You know, that's a normal kind of nine to five, and then my you know I'm off the clock. I'm doing my own thing. And there's other players who are just they just love the game. They love competing. They'll play golf in their off time and you get a big wide range. And I think that if you look at players that sort of jump to live and players that are sort of loyal to the PGA tour, I think it kind of shakes out in, in those kind of two directions, the the sort of playing for the trophies, playing for the legacy versus playing, you know, nine to five. And I, I think that, you know, none of the players that left for live, at least in the locker room on the PGA tour, I think that, you know, if they just did it for the money. I think, I don't know if that's like, I think most of the guys are like, cool, you know, Good good luck. Hope that don't let the door hit you. But like we're not gonna begrudge you for that decision. You know, but I think that some of the players that made the jump, these guys miss competing against. And I think that it's uh you know it's it's definitely fractured the game in a way that, you know, it's gonna be tough to repair, at least for a little while. Now. Which again makes for makes for pretty interesting stories.
1: Well Chad, we really appreciate you taking time out of your chaotic schedule i'm sure to join us here on the podcast today um best of luck with the show best of luck with the reviews we can't wait to watch it uh 15th of february is a special date for full swing uh its release on netflix uh i'm sure we will be watching it and many listeners of of the pod will be too so um again thank you for joining us on the pod and uh road to Room listeners we will see you on monday